It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Is this Brian Whitner? Yes, it is. Congratulations. Congratulations, you've just won nothing. Oh, shit. I was hoping for something. God damn it, fine. How does it feel to win nothing? Uh, I feel like shit. Wow. I'm so sorry. Okay, Roderick. Here are your hosts. Here are your hosts. Emerson Whitner. Emerson. Oh yeah. Yes. 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 And Brian. To yet another brand new edition of the Wrestling Outsiders Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Emerson Whitner, joined as always on the line by my brother, Brian. Yes, I have a middle name, Whitner. Brian, how are you doing this evening? I am doing well, dear brother of mine. That's I, I, I feel nice and clean. I showered, I shaved. I am one pants and son of a gun right now. Wow, you both showered and shaved. Yeah. I took shit earlier, so I had to complete the three S's in a timely manner. Uh. Oh, God. Because what this show needs to know is uh, the amount of time you use the bathroom. Yes, I completed my three S's. Yes. Yes. So so tonight we're going to be doing Hardcore Heaven 2000. We're going to be talking about Tough Enough. Brian's going to have an opinion, and that's what this week is. The the most exciting new segment on this show, Brian's Opinion. Yes. Uh, I have no idea at the moment what the hell we're going to do next week. Right now, let's... The same thing we do every week, Emerson. Okay, Pinky. To take over the world. Okay, Pinky. (laughs) Okay, Brian. But uh, let's try to take over the world one pay per view at a time. 
let's currently call next week a mystery episode. Yes. So, at some point next week, Brian and I will turn on the WWE Network and watch something, and that's what we'll review. Well, sometime next week we'll figure out what we're watching, and then we'll proceed to turn on the WWE Network and go from there. The award-winning WWE Network, by the way. Yes. What award has he won ever since? I have no fucking idea. Neither do I. Join the party. <laughs> I-, I swear, I have no fucking idea. Neither do I. I just want to see if you would actually know. Uh-huh. Oh, God. By the way, uh, this past Sunday night show was the most listened-to live show we've ever had. By golly, how many did we get? Not saying it on the air, but it's more than any other show. I'm actually going to look up the stats right now to see how we're at. But, yeah, it was... Uh, actually... More, I couldn't believe and thought it was a mistake that that many people actually listen to the damn show live since no one listens to the show live. This is in, yes. We had a caller and people listen to us live. There's something wrong with this week's show. I know. What the heck's wrong with us? Yes. Oh, God. And let's see. And also we'll play some music tonight. Have some musical interludes. I have some new stuff. Well, new to this show anyway. And, uh, We'll call it a night afterwards. Yes, yes. I have to do this thing called words. I, I have figured it out that as of 11 o'clock tonight, I will be on the clock for consecutively 45 hours. 45 40. and a half hours. I will be on the clock consecutively. 45 and a half hours? Yes. Why don't you tell the world why? Because my company used site goes to take a nice little trip to Niagara Falls. Plus, I couldn't find anyone to work for me tonight. So I, I go in tonight to do my overnight shift. And then we leave tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock to go to Niagara Falls. And we do not return until about 8.30 Thursday at night. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, if any of our fine listeners in the Niagara Falls area want to come meet you and get your autograph, will they be able to? I will take time out of my busy 45 and a half hour schedule and I will post the, my itinerary on the Wrestling Outsider Podcast Facebook page so people know where to find me at all times. Oh, I, I can't wait. I'm sure. Uh... But I know people want to see me and want to be me because mm. they, get a, they get to listen to your voice for two hours a week if they're me. So I know that's what people want. They want to listen to your voice ever since. Because you are the voice of this podcast. I am just a comic relief. I am the voice of the voiceless. No, that's CM Punk. You're just the voice of this. Well, to help you out, if you add in our live and on-demand listenership to last week's episode, it's our most listened-to episode uh, since July 23rd, 2014. By God! By God, we did it! By God! Wow. Yeah. And, and you know what was on July 23rd, 2014? July what? You mean Ju- June, right? No, I mean July 23rd, 2014. Oh. The interview with um, Brian Alvarez? Really close. The interview with Rob Noxious. 
So yeah, it's even got more listens too than Podzilla. Uh, if, if that's e- if, if that's even Which possible. Which is Podzilla two coming up soon? No. No. Oh god. So before, let's see. I've got a bunch of stuff to play. So before we get into uh, ECW, let's uh, play something. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. Yeah, I'll turn down your audio right now. Okay, go ahead. Let's play the Vince Russo bullshit hip-hop remix. Ah, nice. Yes. Some of the fans' uh, dissension mm-hmm. via Fire Russo chants mm-hmm. were for angles that you had developed. Well, you know my, my answer to that? I love it. Bullshit. 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 The last rights match between the Biss and Sting? Bullshit. Bullshit. I had nothing to do with that, and they were shouting his phone that night. Bullshit. Bullshit. Now, he may have went back and told Dixie, oh, Dixie, bullshit. Bullshit. I didn't book that. That was Dutch. He booked that. Listen, bullshit. Bullshit. Nobody has ever said, fire Dutch, fire Dutch. Bullshit. Bullshit. Fire Dutch, fire Dutch on anything I ever booked. Bullshit. Bullshit. Vince, I love you, buddy, and you take credit for everything. Bullshit. Bullshit. But you gotta take credit for the bullshit you book. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit, Brian. It is a highly bullshit. I can smell the bullshit from Central PA. Where? From right here in Central Pennsylvania. Boo. Where is Zeb Coulter at these days anyway? Well, he wasn't really injured. He was attacked by Rusev, and it was to put heat on the Rusev-Jack Swagger feud, which nobody cared about, and he hasn't been seen since, and Jack Swagger has since been banished to superstars. Uh, uh, Sorry, sad deal. So, Hardcore Heaven 2000. Now, I watched my DVD. Brian watched the uh, network version. So there may be some differences. I imagine you probably saw all the matches, just some of the... I don't know if you'll get all the interviews, all the skits or whatever, but we'll see. The show's... Yeah. We got the most awkward opening in the history of pay-per-view, and there turned out to actually be a reason for it. Uh, Joey Styles and Joel Gertner were out to start the show. Joel did a limerick that was so lewd that I would have to up the rating of this podcast in order to repeat it. <laughs> That's being nice, folks. That's Emerson being nice. Now, they had already aired the opening video package with the legendary ECW music So before this. So Joey and Joel are just looking around after they do their intro and just walk to the back with no... Appearance by Cyrus the Virus. Yes. So we got an extended shot of the audience for perhaps the longest minute in pay-per-view history until Balls came out for his match. And... Balls, 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 balls. Sorry, guys. To make it even more awkward, uh, Balls... It took Balls like 20 seconds to walk to the ring, but they played the entire Big Balls song 
which no one knew any of the words to except for the we've got the biggest balls of them all line. <laughs> So we literally got two minutes of Balls Mahoney standing there holding a chair and staring off into the distance, made worse by the fact that Joey and Joel hadn't yet made it to the broadcast booth, so we, we didn't have announcers yet. Quite, Now, it turns out there was a reason for this. Um, and I, Yes. Uh, I, there was supposed to be an angle where Tommy Dreamer was supposed to come out all bloody and whatnot... Uh, being beaten by Just Incredible because it was going to be an angle to get him out of the main event. And uh, something happened, and for some reason, Tommy Dreamer never came out. Now, yeah, they they later tried to play it up like Dreamer came out, but uh, they never showed him on television, which is complete bullshit. Of course, of course. Yeah. But so they still sold the angle that Dreamer got beaten down, only... Dreamer never bothered to show up for the angle. That bastard. No showing ECW. Well, he, he was a hardcore legend. He didn't know show ECW. He no showed the angle. Oh, that bastard. Thanks. Huh. So, we got our opening match. Balls Mahoney, or as PWI used to call him, B. Mahoney versus Masato yeah. Tanaka. Um, it's a ball. On, t- on, on air. Well, you couldn't say balls in PWI. Balls. Why not? I don't know. Well, the show wasn't awkward enough so far, so Cyrus showed up at the broadcast booth for the angle to get rid of Joel. Uh, Cyrus said that Joel was fat, no one buys his gimmick, and he's a piece of crap. So Joel ripped off his neck brace and was about to attack Cyrus, when Kintaro Kanemura, of all people, who just happened to be standing there, choked out Joel, and it was so awful that Joel never came back. Sad. Yes. Cyrus did take over on commentary, of course. Um, this match was literally just there, uh, so we could get our unnecessarily hard, unprotected chair shots to the head. and We got quite a bit, folks. Yeah, yeah. And this was also the WrestleMania main event here in the opener of uh, Hardcore Heaven as they proceeded to kick out of every finisher they both had multiple times and uh, killed the crowd for about an hour because of it. What? Now, you could when we go through the matches, you'll see they weren't exactly matches that were setting the world on fire, so the crowd may not have given a shit either way. But, I mean, they killed the crowd there for an hour. Of course, of course. Yes. Now, Lance Storm, you want to talk about how hard Balls Mahoney's chair shots are. Lance Storm was booked to take one chair shot from Balls once. He took that one chair shot and went to Paul and said that he'd quit if he was ever asked to do it again. <laughs> and uh, Danny Doring had something yeah. to Danny Doring, of all people, had something to say about this. And let me pull that up here now. Fuck. Okay. We get there and uh, we know the work that we do on commodity, which was like fucking, like, uh, you ever like, that's one day, like, those fucking guys, the only guys I ever worked with where I actually hated going to work. It was like going to a real job and I don't work with this asshole today. It was the only time in history of my fucking, even working with Bald and Axel all those fucking years, taking those chair shots to the fucking face. 
was the balls with the rib, like for some reason, the balls would zip tie the chair sometimes because he thought the marks would see that and identify that as being stiffer. Complete fucking retard. <laughs> and but like all that shit, even doing all that was not as fucking bad as working with Easy Money. Poor Easy Money. He's worse than taking a balls Mahoney chair shot. Did you? Yes. Did you hear that uh, piece of audio? Barely, but I got the bits and pieces of it. Great. All right. Um. So, like I said, they did pretend to wrestle for a few minutes before doing the chairs. Um. After destroying a chair on Tanaka's head, we then got the WrestleMania main event near falls, and eventually Tanaka won with his second roaring elbow. What did you think that of the match? That was one hell of an elbow. That was yeah. one hell of an elbow, I feel. Yeah. What did you think of the match? Well, like you said, it was the, it was the animal really hard, unprotected chair shot match. Yes. And uh, that was, like you said, multiple uh, pinfalls, uh, close pinfalls. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, it was a good hard-hitting match. It was a, a typical ECW hard-hitting match. Lance Storm cut a promo on Justin Credible saying he'd make Justin pay for throwing down the tag titles and for spitting on him. Then we got, uh, we got basically the beginning of Amateur Hour at this point, as Simon Diamond and his crew of geeks came out next, and this included the prodigy, Tom Marquez, the prodigette, who was, I forget her real name, but in real life, she's actually a, a pretty hot girl, but they dressed her up to look as manly as possible, and so she yes. didn't look very attractive. Um, also had Mitch, who was a guy in a suit carrying a parasol, and the Musketeer, who was exactly what it sounds like. The Musketeer? Yes. Uh, Simon proclaimed that he is not a comedy act, and he will prove this by winning the three-way dance. By the way, th- there were three scheduled three-way dances on this show. You know, that, yeah. that's a little bit of overkill. Cool. Yeah, so it's Simon Diamond with all his geeks in his corner versus Mikey Whipwreck with Jim Mitchell in his corner versus Little Guido with Sally Graziano in his corner. Because if you're not going to pay anybody anyway, you might as well get everyone on the show. Uh, they announced that Mikey had 14 documented concussions, which is just scary as hell. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, one of the reasons that Tony Mamaluke was uh, let go from WCW was that uh, he kept getting concussion after concussion, and he just was too much of a health risk. So, of course, ECW hires him, TNA hires him, and yes, WWE then hired him too. Uh, despite having all those concussions. Yeah, let me see if you don't give a shit. I, <laughs> they, hired, they, they fired him. I do want to point out, this is the year 2000. Um, and so most of the people who are watching ECW are unaware that uh, Mikey Whipwreck was once ECW champion, a TV champion, a tag team champion. And so it looks horrible that this base, that this chubby jobber is announced that he's one of the most successful people in company history. Like, 
He's a geek who never wins his matches ever, and he's a former world champion. Um, they just seen him in WCW the year before losing every match. Uh, yes, yes. Like this, like unfortunately, he's one of those guys they never should have brought back because to the general public, no one could buy him as a uh, as anything serious. True story. Now the power went out during this match, Brian. I don't mean the power. In... Yes, the not the power in my house, but the power in the arena. Um, I noticed that. Yes, and you want to know what else I noticed? What? Even with the power off, it still looked better than any episode of Impact. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that statement. Yes. Uh, so this was elimination rules, Mikey. Uh, pin Simon with the whippersnapper, which is the Stone Cold Stunner. Now, Mikey, I think, was doing it before Austin ever did. But let's face facts. Go ask one million wrestling fans the name of that move, and they'll tell you the stunner. And then show them Mikey Whipwreck doing the move, and I'll be like, well, he's just ripping off Steve Austin. Okay. Uh, the finish saw Mikey throw fire at Sal and then get pinned with the unprettier by Guido. But of course, because it's ECW, it can't just be called the unprettier. It's the Maritato. The Maritato. Yes, which is little Guido's shoot last name. <laughs> uh, just, yes, just incredible called himself the asshole of the moment. Uh, he took everyone's sacrifices and hard work threw it on the ground and spit on it so he could be ECW champion and told Lance Storm that tonight he's going to make an impact. Because he is part one half of the former impact players. And, you know, they were tag team champions until Credible threw down the titles. And spit on them. Yes. Uh, we then got more amateur hour as the lights were back on and Sign Guy Dudley came out. Only he's not Sign Guy Dudley. He's Lou E. Dangerously. And uh, since he's not getting paid to work in the office either, he might as well not get paid and be a manager as well. Um, now, Brian, what were you more offended by? When he said that Electra had a pretty face or that she had no plastic surgery? Probably no plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. I would I would believe that before being told she had a pretty face. Yeah, yeah. Now they issued a challenge to any girl in the back, and there, the ECW at this point had four girls: Electra, who was in the ring, uh, Dawn Marie, who I guess was a baby face, but she was a heel up until a week earlier, uh, Francine, who's the manager of the heel world champion, and Jazz. Take a guess who answered the challenge. Jazz. How'd you guess, Brian? Shit and giggles. Uh, so Jazz came out. She beat up C.W. Anderson. She beat up Bill Wiles. She beat up Louie. She then ripped off Electra's shirt, and Electra was wearing a Mike Awesome shirt. So, of course, Jazz ripped off the Mike Awesome shirt, and she was wearing... Borat swimsuit. Yes. I thought she was completely naked at first. 
Network twice. Somebody, nobody, I don't see blurs, so I know WWE Network blurs out all that. So yeah. Um, and so CW Anderson gave Jazz a spinebuster, and Kid Cash came out for uh, our third match. And yes. I. If I was going to start drinking, I would take a drink every time Joey Styles said that Kid Cash is money. <laughs> um, yes, we'd probably be drunk 20, like five minutes into, into that match. Yes. The first move of the match was Kid Cash doing a springboard planche to all the goofs on the floor. The problem is they didn't catch him and he fell on his face. Um, Looks like it hurt a little bit. Yeah. They compared Kid Cash to Jerry Lynn, which made me realize why Jerry Lynn turned heel. Um, For some reason, uh, Bill Wiles waited until the referee was distracted to interfere, um, but Louie hit Bill with his big-ass cell phone. Um, Cash won with a Super Huracarana, but Anderson basically had to do the move to himself because... When Cash jumped up in the air, he didn't even get high enough to get his legs to CW's armpit. He definitely fucked it up. Yes. Uh, RVD was backstage bragging that he can cut. They can say fuck because they're on pay per view, and that Scotty Riggs is his best friend. Scotty Anton, and Nicole said, "Watch your fucking language." Why am I on speakerphone? Yes. Because you are. Uh-huh. That's that's great. You should probably leave the room in about 20 minutes then. Um, we then got another three-way dance. DeBaldi's versus Chris Chetty and Nova versus Doring and Roadkill. Uh, was Vince Russo secretly putting together the matches for the ECW pay-per-views? It seems like a total Vince Russo thing to do to do three three-way dances on the same show. That's the show. I mean, he only had two, but there was three advertised, like you said. So. Nice. Uh, this match helped point out how little depth ECW really had, as Joey talked about how all three of these bottom-of-the-card tag teams were all top contenders to the vacant tag team titles. Um... Now, the fans were actually more into this match than anything else since the opener, since it was a shit ton of non-stop action and moves in rapid succession. No one really sold anything. Um, let's hear, Vic Grimes ran in with a guitar, um, and so Angel took it and hit uh, Doring to eliminate him. But it's okay, because uh, Vic Grimes took his bi-monthly retarded bump, as Roadkill gave him a hip toss from the ramp, to the cold, hard concrete floor. Uh, Roadkill then put him on a table on the floor and did a splash from the top rope through the table. And then Shetty and Nova won with the tidal wave. I don't think this match lasted five minutes. According to the internet, this match lasted six minutes and 35 seconds. I'm shocked because this match just was over so quickly. So you sent us the internet, and we all know the internet, how the internet is. Well, you can't lie on the internet. 
So the Baldies were mad that they lost, so they beat down Nova and Shetty until New Jack returned and beat the crap out of them. And this somehow turned into a match between New Jack and the Baldies. New Jack, by himself, beat the crap out of both of them. Uh, he took DeVito to the darkest part of the arena and did a balcony dive from, it looked like, at least 15 feet up. At least 15 feet. Yeah. Um, the lighting was so bad that really the match that didn't have any lights at all looked better than this. I, I still don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think you get that statement. Yeah. Uh, so Jack stood up, dusted himself off, got back in the ring, beat the crap out of Angel, and then pinned Angel with an elbow drop uh, from the top rope. And he became the king of the streets. So he beat. So the Baldies had a match. They wrestled a grueling six minutes, and then New Jack came out and wrestled them immediately. Okay, so while Brian mutes his phone, because I'm tired of listening to that plopping, uh, I'm going to take our intermission here and play something. Play. White trash and rednecks! The following contest is a non-titles knockout handicap match scheduled for one fall. What that mean is for on one. Introducing first. What do you think about that? Show, 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 Bolt, Bush, and the Slip Randy. How am I supposed to know what their names are? <laughs> you got three and a TNA knockout champion. Awesome. Come That's cauterized. Cauterized right there. Here they come. They're opponent. Representing the TNA front line. Coming to a truck stop near you. One of the nastiest bitches in wrestling history. One dirty bitch. Oh. DB. Brian, he's still there. Brian, he's still there. I guess... Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I am. All right, so... I always, I always love when you press mute all the time. I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to switch phone covers right at the current moment. Because yeah. <laughs> the other one's really crappy, so I was trying to switch. But, and there's no better time to do it than now, I'm sure. Exactly. <sighs> So at this point, this show was causing me to put my head through a wall and made me want to quit doing this podcast forever and ever and ever. And then Steve Crino began bleeding. Uh, Steve Crino versus Tajiri. Uh, the setup of this is that Tajiri had won the TV title from Super Crazy. The network demanded that he hold the... Yeah. That he hand the belt over to Rhino. Tajiri refused, turning himself into a baby face, and still lost the belt, by the way. But now he's yeah, now now he's a baby face. 
and Steve Carino is from the network and can wrestle. So here we go. Uh, ironically, this whole year 2000, I think, was more about getting Carino over than anyone else. Because while every feud was all about beating Carino's ass and making him bleed, it's beating his ass and making him bleed that led to the fans embracing him as a warrior, taking beatings every week from everybody. And I all did in my mind is make Carino into a gutsy hero, which may have been the point. Possibly. I believe that strongly. Uh, Carino at one point was literally dripping blood all over the ring, which I'm sure the people in the next three matches were really thrilled to see. Uh, I think Steve Carino may have gotten 30 seconds of offense in this entire match, and even that's pushing it. Uh, Tajiri, even then, Tajiri Tajiri'd up and kicked Carino in the face some more, and eventually won by putting him through a table with a double foot stomp. I think that was the second best yeah, match. Carino. I think it was one of the best that's matches of the night. What's up? I think it was one of the best matches of the night. What do you think? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I enjoyed the uh, the triple threat, the three ways. Guido, Whiprack, and Simon Diamond, but yeah, this is, this is a one of the better ones, I feel. Uh, so Kanemura was back, laying out to Jerry with the Death Valley driver. To Jerry fought back, and Jack Victory joined in for a two on one beatdown until Dusty Rhodes made the save. Rhino ran in and beat the crap out of Dusty, and then five minutes later, Sandman made the save. I'm not being cute. Enter Sandman started, and Sandman walked all around the building to his entrance music. The heels got so tired of beating up the faces that they all just left during the entrance and took the baby faces with them. So by the time Sandman got the ring, he looked around like, where the fuck did everyone go? Yeah. Which way did he go? Which way did he go? Uh, wrong pay-per-view, Brian. I know. So since they took a five-minute break... We're going to take a 2 minute and 43 second break for more Scott Steiner. Of course. Well, see, I come from a highly educated university, so when I come out and speak these white trash, I got to dumb myself down. I got to dumb myself down. Dumb myself down. No, you fucking suck. You fucking suck. Right. Well, sit down, white trash. Bitch, I came here to kick somebody's ass. So all you white trash right now, sit down, get on your knees, and pay homage to the next world champion. I'm a man of
and they add 66 and two thirds percent. So when I come out and speak to these white trash, I gotta dumb myself down, bitch. You have chances of winning drastically go down. See, throughout my career, I've wrestled a lot of countries, bitch. See, we as a country, we didn't start this thing. Terrorists started this. Terrorism started this. And they know that they don't have to wait for the Earth to rotate on a 47-degree axis so the stars can touch the sky and create an equal axis so they can see the Big Dipper. No, no, no. My eyes on you. One's eyes on them, one's eyes on you. Bitch. Terrorism started this in Iraq has been known to harbor, finance, support, and even train terrorism. They started it. Terrorism started Not us. No, shut up, man. You are a redneck. You are a redneck. Or France. Yes, I feel their pain. Yes. So Sandman eventually made it to the ring for the TV title match. Second time. Yeah. With Rhino. And this is actually the third straight pay-per-view we were supposed to have this match. Uh, but both times before, they did angles to stop it from ever having happening. Of course. And honestly, one of the best parts of this match was Sandman's five-minute entrance. The fans felt the same way. They cared a lot about the entrance and stopped caring as much once the bell rang. Um, The highlight, at least when these two were actually wrestling, saw Rhino set up a table outside the ring, run down the ramp to gore Sandman, but Sandman ducked, and so Rhino dove headfirst through the table. Of course. I bet that hurt. I think so. I feel it did hurt a little bit. Uh, Then, uh, let's see here. Lori Fullington decided to interfere at this point. So Jack Victory and Steve Crenall ran down as well. Uh, Rhino gave Sandman a pile driver on the ramp and then dragged Lori over and pile drove her off the apron and threw a table at ringside. Um, I wonder if Lori's check cleared. Maybe. <laughs> That's a maybe, but you never know. Uh, so Crino and Victory dragged her into the ring to take a gore through the table. Uh, however, Sandman, being all valiant and whatnot, came back. He made the save and picked up his wife in his arms just in time for Rhino to gore them both through the table for the win. Gore! 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 Good. My God, King! My God, King! Who, who did Rhino vote for in the 2000 presidential election? Al Gore! Al Gore! You missed one. Al Gore! Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn. Uh, Lynn had broken his ankle around the same time Van Dam broke his leg. But Lynn's injury was ignored while Van Dam's injury was talked about every week on TV 
and this pissed Lynn off something good. I believe it. I don't blame the man. Yeah. Well, first, I'll note the positives of this match. 99, oh, okay. Yeah, 99% of this match was fantastic. These two, yeah. could, these two could sleepwalk and have a great match. And it helped yeah, that... Because of yes, and it helps that both men's first real match back was against one another. Yeah. <laughs> now, now the negative. The, WC, the WCW-like booking of the finish. Oh my god, was this overbooked. You think? <sighs> my, this was when I think ECW really jumped the shark. Because it was it's a total WWF, WCW thing to do to bring in somebody we've never seen before, at least on this show, and claim that they're longtime, dear, close, personal friends of one of the wrestlers just to set up that person turning on them right away. Now, it's possible Scotty Riggs and Rob Van Dam are the best of friends in real life. However, we never knew that. We just no, we just suddenly see Scotty Riggs show up two months earlier while Van Dam has a broken leg, and the first chance he gets, he turns on Van Dam for no reason at all. So this this match went about 20 minutes. So if you watch the first 17 minutes and turn it off, you'll enjoy it. But after that 17-minute mark, turn the damn thing off. Just turn it off. Folks, you have been warned. Uh, Carino and Victory ran back down again because uh, if, if this was the WWE fantasy booking game, Carino would have like 5,000 points at this point. Uh, hey, Stan, that led me to a very impressive uh, showing in that last season of uh, Fantasy WWE. Yes, they had, they had to change the rules because of Sandman. Um, yeah. <laughs> Carino and Victory ran down to attack Van Dam. Jerry Lynn at first helped him fight them both off. So Rhino came down and gored Lynn. He powerbombed Van Dam. Cyrus left the broadcast booth to cheer Rhino on. Van Dam got the better of Rhino and gave Cyrus the Van Daminator. Lynn then gave Alfonso the Van Daminator. Van Dam then gave Lynn the Van Daminator. Van Dam then went to the top for the five-star frog splash when Scotty Riggs turned heel and shoved him off the top rope, making Van Dam land awkwardly on the ramp. Just breaking his leg. And if that wasn't good enough, Jerry Lynn then needed not one, but two cradle pile drivers to finally beat Van Dam. It's a sad song after all. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Jerry Lynn finally gets his win over Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam loses his first singles match in over two years. And yeah. There's a reason this is the forgotten Rob Van Dam Jerry Lynn match. Maybe that might be why. Yes. Main event time, Brian. Main event. Now, by the way, I'm assuming that they didn't show any of those uh, upcoming date commercials for uh, ECW. You are exactly right, Emerson. Alright, they didn't show uh, pictures of Elektra nearly naked on ECWWrestling.com? Nope. 
And if you think Elektra is hideous looking uh, on TV and wearing some clothes, imagine how hideous she is on the internet and not wearing very many. Although, I must say, thank God it's her and not Jazz. Uh, to be fair, I'm not even sure. Uh, so, main event time. Just Incredible comes out to defend the World Heavyweight title in what was advertised as a three-way dance. Now, where do I begin, Brian? Possibly by telling me who the third person was in this match. Well, the third person was supposed to be Dreamer. However, it was never going to be a three-way dance. They were always going to do an angle with it. But originally, the angle was going to be to add Raven to the match and make it a four-way dance. And the reason to do that was because then Paul Heyman's new brilliant idea, instead of just not booking Dreamer in the match at all, his new brilliant idea was that during the four-way dance, uh, Tommy Dreamer and Raven would be pinned simultaneously by Credible and Storm. So Tommy Dreamer would lose the match, but you wouldn't notice at first that he lost the match because he lost the match at the same time Raven lost. I don't get that logic. So instead they had Justin just announce that he refuses to wrestle Dreamer and that if uh, anybody other than Lance Storm came out to wrestle, he would leave the company, throw the belt down, and in theory show up on Nitro the next night with the title. <laughs> and if that's not good enough, uh, this is Lance Storm's last night in the company. As he, Yeah. And actually, uh, Paul... Mike Awesome is actually the uh, the main reason why Lance Storm was able to leave. Because Lance was looking into leaving before the Mike Awesome thing went down. But then when the Mike Awesome thing went down, Paul made everyone sign brand new written contracts. And Lance would only sign a 30-day contract. And so since he had a legally binding 30-day contract, he was able to negotiate with WCW based off that. And actually, the funny story is, his 30-day contract expired the day before the pay-per-view, and so Pauly made him sign a one-day contract. Yes. So, uh, Dreamer was dragged backstage, and he flipped off Pauly on the way out. Uh, The match itself between Justin and Lance was good, but the fans didn't give a shit and spent most of it chanting for Dreamer. Uh, it it wasn't like they booed the match. It wasn't like with Roman Reigns in the Royal Rumble where someone they just didn't want in the match was in there, um, and so they turned on it. But you knew the fans did not give two craps about this match. Uh, they finally got into it when we got the catfight spot with Don Marie and Francine. Uh, so Justin laid out Don Marie with the spinning tombstone. Lance made his comeback but uh, got hit with two That's Incredibles and got pinned. And so, yes, Lance Sturm on his last night in the promotion did not win the world title, Brian. I know you're surprised. Um, After the match, Dreamer ran down and hit Justin with a cane and then gave Francine the Spicoli driver to end the show. 
And everyone went home happy. The end. Eh. What What'd you think of the whole show? I'm going to say thumbs down, but more in the middle. All right. I mean, and Jerry Lynn was a good match, but, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I didn't save this pay-per-view. It, it was just, there was too much amateur hour crap during the whole show for me. It's a thumbs down from me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is Hardcore Heaven. And since... Let's see here. It's time for more Scott Steiner. Penzer is, in fact, out of a job. I wonder why he's out of a job. <laughs> because TNA... Because awesome announcing. Yes. Yes. Um, by the way, TNA restructure, is restructuring all the wrestlers' contracts. Unless your name is Kurt Angle or Jeff Hardy, anyone that was on a guaranteed monthly deal, uh, it's been cut, and instead they're going to pay everybody per appearance. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sure all the boys are really happy to hear this. Um, of course they are. Yes, but you know what I'm happy to hear, Brian. What are you happy to hear, Emerson? It's time for Brian has an opinion. My brother Brian, he's got an opinion. He's gonna tell us. What's his opinion? What's Brian opinioning about tonight? It could be wrestling. It could be anything. What's it going to be? We're going to find out. Brian's going to speak. Brian's going to talk. Brian's going to say anything he wants. Brian has an opinion. Brian has an opinion. Like your music, Brian? Bite me. So, Brian. So, Brian, what's your opinion about tonight? Well, dear brother, this is the most talked about news segment on the Wrestling Outsiders podcast. In fact, this is the only news segment we have on the Wrestling Outsiders podcast. But let's not go there. Tonight's opinion is about five weeks away. We get SummerSlam 2015. So far, the match that has been announced. The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar after a not-so-shocking return of The Undertaker. 
at Battleground. Who was surprised at that? Not me, because I read it two hours before it happened that he was at the building. Okay, so the way it's shaping up, I think, is it's supposed to be John Cena versus Seth Rollins. My opinion is, why the hell is John Cena again a main event match? I mean, I, I'm tired of seeing him wrestling for the title. Let's give someone else a shot. Let's have a battle royal to determine the number one contender for the title. And then have some, some up-and-comer possibly win and go steal the show with Seth Rollins. My opinion is, they should have a specialty match with Seth, with uh, Kevin Owens and John Cena. And of course, like always, John Cena will win because that's what John Cena does. He wins the big matches. Big match, John, as JBL says it. So my opinion is they should not do the Seth Rollins-John Cena match. They should just stick with the John Cena-Kevin Owens rivalry and uh, stretch out for one more pay-per-view. That is my opinion. I am Brian. Good night. One minute and 47 seconds. Really? You actually timed it? Yes. I like that we have a 80-minute show and Brian has an opinion for 87 seconds of it. Well, I, I feel I feel that the spotlight's on me for that for a time frame, so, you know, it happens. God. I don't know. I, I gotta play something else before I... before we talk about Tough Enough. Good idea. Jim Cornette tells an Iron Sheik story. Uh. Shane Mead, Melbourne, Australia. Everyone in the business has a funny Iron Sheik story. Do you have any stories <laughs> about the great man Shane Adam Perdo? Did I, did, I, did I tell when he cussed out the commissioner on the microphone in Louisville? No. About that? No. Okay. Back in the early 80s at, at Louisville at the Gardens. Wait a minute, back that up. Hold on a second. Back it up. For the Sheik? No, no, but just to, to the last, to the last, to the Sheik question. Because, oh, I, I want to follow up with the other Sheik. Um, the Iron Sheik was in Memphis. This was 1982, and he was working a program with Lawler and et cetera, et cetera. And I was the fill-in ring announcer when the local radio DJ that usually did it was on vacation. So there was a rule back then because we'd gotten a real strict state athletic commissioner in Kentucky at that time, and, and he wasn't smart to the wrestling business. It was a political appointment, so he a lot of shit. Like, you know, when, when Jonathan Boyd punched the referee, he fined him for real, and then Jerry Jarrett had to pay the fine to have Boyd come back next week and lose the lose-or-leave-town match. And he said, well, you can't have a battle royal because the rules state when, when a guy is thrown over the top rope, the match is over, so a 20-man battle royal would have 19 winners and shit like this. He also had a rule, nobody can talk on the ring microphone except for the licensed announcer. You got these wrestlers talking on a microphone, and they don't have announcer's licenses. So this was what he was really sticking to, so as nobody was supposed to talk about Well, Sheik's big thing was, a, don't say USA, don't say USA. Well, the guy's name was Fred Lampson, and he recently died a couple of years ago at the age of like 95. And it just goes to show that good people die young and pricks last forever. Um, but anyway, so Fred Lampson is there that night. And the Sheik is on the card, so Christine Jarrett comes up to me and says, Now, you make sure. You know about don't let the boys get the microphone, but the Sheik's going to try it. But don't worry, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. I'll have this. Don't let go of that. So now Christine Jarrett, who I would have jumped in front of a bus for, has told me don't let go of this microphone. Here comes the Sheik. It's time for his match with whoever he's working with. I can't remember. It was Lawler or whatever. And here he comes down the aisle, and as he's coming toward me, he's coming right toward me. I'm sitting in a chair. I got this microphone. 
I'm going, the commissioner, the commissioner, it's like this, and he grabs my arm, and he says, hey, give me the mic. I said, no, the commissioner, the commissioner, no, give me the microphone. And then the commissioner, and he pulls my arm up, and the microphone's right in front of his mouth, and he says, oh, fuck the commissioner. And right when I turn it, here comes Fred Lampson with his fucking ties up on the other side of his neck, and his, he, we called him Mr. Fudd, because he lived, resembled Elmer Fudd. And his big bald head's getting red patches on it. And he's, and I'm like, he's got me hooked. I can't fucking write it. I'm pulling the cord out of the thing. So then he goes back and he just chews Christine Jarrett. Ah. Fuck the commissioner. <laughs> uh, Tough enough episode five. Have you watched any Tough Enough at all? I have. I, I usually watch it like on Wednesdays. So yeah. But I, I did just read the, the spoilers, not the spoilers, the spoilers. Results, if you want to call it, on WWE.com. So I kind of know what happened. You know that most people are show airs on Wednesdays, right, Brian? Huh? You know that most people listening are show airs on Wednesdays, right? Yeah, so you sound weird yeah, talking. Yeah, so so you sound weird talking about how you watch shit on Wednesdays. True, true. Especially true. since you're gonna have nothing to add. <sighs> so time for tough enough again. What yeah. last week there were five minutes of wrestling training. Will we build on that this week? Was my question to myself. Daniel Bryan plugged his autobiography, which, by the way, is available on Amazon or at finer bookstores right now. Yes, my, yes, my improbable journey to the main event of WrestleMania. Did you happen to buy it yet? I did not. Uh, are you planning on it? I may get it for my Kindle. Okay, okay. For your bus ride on Friday? Uh, yes, or something like that. So Big Show came out. On Raw on Monday, he threatened to assault the kids on Tough Enough. However, tonight he was all happy and jolly and spent the entire night wearing his gear. And Big Show does. Yes, I, I, it's possible he made us not have any other clothes. True. Yes. You're right. So we start the show with Patrick being an asshole, uh, asking... And this ended up being what, uh, spoiler alert, Patrick was the loser. Uh, and we start the show with Patrick immediately asking Sarah what it's like to be in the bottom three. Uh, yeah, ZZ pulled him aside and told him off, comparing him to a peanut butter sandwich with no jelly. And so, since the women take turns as to who's on whose team and teaming up against each other, this week the battle was Sarah and Chelsea against Amanda and Georgia, who they took turns between calling her Georgia and Gigi. Gigi, I'm wondering who Gigi was. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think you were talking about, uh, uh, what's his face, his son, daughter from uh, Gilmore Girls. So, yeah. Who, by the way, Gigi was short for Georgia. Just point oh. that out. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. And his name was Christopher. Yeah, I kind of think, sorry. So we got our first stupid challenge of the show, an obstacle course. 
And I made I made a bold yeah yeah I made a bold prediction. I bet ZZ loses. So Natalia got a police escort to observe the challenge, and I'm sure Natalia has nothing better to do than to be on this show watching these geeks do this obstacle course. Because, you know, her husband isn't, like, recovering from a serious neck injury that, you know, he's going to be out for the next year. Of course not. Uh, So Tanner, who's the guy who looks like Seth Rollins, won... And it wasn't even close. Uh, he he could have lapped everybody. That's how quickly he won. Um, later on, after commercial, we found out he actually went back and was helping everyone else get through the thing. But uh, we just watched him make fun of Patrick for because Patrick's an asshole who every time he loses a contest, he whines and bitches about it. But when he wins, oh God, you're going to hear about it. Uh, Patrick got pissy because he lost, and actually, of all the people who finished the obstacle course, Patrick finished last. Um, Sarah was in the lead for the longest time until she got to the rope. She couldn't climb the rope. Georgia was able to and won. Mata announced that he now has Mata mode, which thankfully has nothing to do with him getting drunk off his ass and becoming an asshole. Uh, no, he's actually, you know, one of the more decent people. And actually, I think, uh, I think if it comes down to who, if the judges are the ones picking, or if Kevin Dunn's the one picking, like in prior Tough Enough, Mata wins. But if it's the, if it's a fan vote, I think ZZ wins. ZZ, uh-huh. yeah, I, like Sarah's probably gonna win for the girls, uh, because. Georgia and Amanda are assholes and bitchy, and we'll get to that later. But, uh... But no love for Tanner, a.k.a. Seth Rollins Jr. Um, I really like Tanner, but I think... Sometimes I think I'm the only person who likes Tanner. <laughs> Where is the love? Yeah. Where is the love? Um, so Chelsea, who, if you recall, uh, is the new girl, she climbed the rope, uh, finally, took her forever. Um, at, she was actually resting the rope between her breasts at one point, and I oh, bet, hell yeah. I bet it didn't feel very nice. Probably not. No. Nice to visualize. Yeah. Um, she dropped down and hurt her ankle on the way down. She she didn't sprain it, but she bruised her ankle. Um, and let's hear. Alita told Patrick to watch his damn mouth. Um, Amanda and Georgia, we, the first segment, by the way, we had no bitching for like 15, 20 minutes. It was like the best beginning of Tough Enough ever. And then they came back from the stupid challenge. And that's when the reality show set in. That's when the bitching started. Get bitched in your mouth. Yep. Amanda and Georgia couldn't stop bitching about how Sarah isn't their friend and she's too busy trying to be friends with Chelsea, even though Chelsea just got there a week or two ago. And now they are literally bitching about how hard it is to be a bikini model. We took 10 seconds off uh, between bitching so Josh could talk to his daughter on the phone. Um, Chelsea announced that she plans on getting in the ring despite her sprained ankle and told Sarah not to tell anyone that she had a sprained ankle. 
So after that, yeah, that makes sense because everyone did not see her fall on her spring on her ankle during the challenge. Nope. Um. So the boys then decided to bitch at ZZ for not being in better shape, which caused Patrick to flip out. So Patrick screamed and yelled at ZZ for, for instead of being athletic, he yelled at ZZ for being entertaining. Um, and he said that, pa- and Patrick screamed about how he was not going to lose to ZZ. And I wrote, I really hope he loses to ZZ. Yes. So Amanda has rope burn between her thighs. Um, and Sarah, who, by the way, Sarah, Amanda, and Georgia haven't gotten along this entire fucking show. So what's the first thing Sarah does? She walks over, sits down in front of them, and goes, Hey, Chelsea's ankle's bad. <laughs> so we immediately go from there into the performance center for training. And literally, the first thing out of Amanda's mouth because this is fifth grade, after all. The first thing out of her yeah. mouth is, Sarah said Chelsea can't stand on her ankle for a month. <laughs> Gigi then... Uh... Georgia then cried some crocodile tears, and Chelsea sat out of the stupid challenge, uh, which is to be a star while giving someone a body slam. And each loser... Uh... Each loser had to do 50 squats. Um, I seriously don't want any of these women to win. I don't want any of them on my television. Well, you have Eva Marie on your television ever since, so it happened. I am going to quit. <laughs> so you're no longer doing the NXT recaps then? Uh, we'll see. So back so back at the house, Sarah confronted Georgia about immediately tattling about Chelsea. So Sarah so Sarah, Georgia and Amanda got into a three-way bitching contest while the guys sat around and watched. The highlight being Tanner sitting there eating popcorn the whole time. We then get the biggest mystery of the show. We go back live and Big Show is sweaty and out of breath. What the What the hell was he doing? Maybe his wife was backstage and they decided to uh to consummate their They decided to have sex at Full Sail University at, at, in the studios. Uh, so, Big Show gave all the guys a chop, um, Patrick and Josh yelled out in pain, Tanner and Mata didn't even make a sound, well, Mata did his scream, and then ZZ, he ripped ZZ's shirt off, which, you know, great, because now ZZ's not gonna be wearing a shirt, and, uh, he gives him the chop, and ZZ, you could tell, wanted to scream, but... You know, he held it in. Um, We found out that Chelsea is cleared to compete. The guys all had their shirts taken off, so none of them are mic'd, but uh, they all have the they all have the regular mics except for ZZ. They decided to not give ZZ a live mic for some reason. So every time he's talking, you can't hear a damn thing he's saying. 
Uh, the moment that yeah, the moment that pissed me off was Paige complimenting Sarah on stepping up this week, and Sarah performed horribly this week. All she did was get into a bitch fight uh, at the end. Uh, so, Paige is a professional. Come on now. Yeah. So the bottom three were ZZ, Patrick, and Josh. Bra- Daniel Bryan put ZZ in the bottom three. And uh, Daniel Bryan, at this point, had every person he put in the bottom three was eliminated. And so it looked like this was it for ZZ. But nope. Patrick was gone. Patrick. Yep. What are you doing over there, Brian? There's so much noise coming from your end. I ask this every week. This is not a mystery you and I have, because supposedly I'm making a lot of noise, and literally, I am sitting here in front of the computer. Are you typing away on the computer? No, I had to tough enough results up. Uh-huh. Because I can hear there's a lot of feedback on this end. I'm sorry. So anyway, Patrick is gone. I'm happy. I don't have to... There's going to be a lot less male bitching next week. Hopefully. Yes. Knock on wood. So that was tough. Uh, So let's see here. Let's see what else we can play here before we finish up for the week. This is good. In a second when it loads. Yeah. Road trip with Dutch. And the business. It was me at the wheel, Sid next to me, Dutch Mattel behind uh, Sid, and the one and only. You want to talk about your first road trip. Behind me. Oh, Bubba. The Sheik. The Sheik. Sid. Who's a fucking giant jabroni driving us with the marks? I'm not a jabroni sheik. Oh, gosh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? Take me into that car for a little bit here. Uh, How long did you have to ride with them? It was, it was, was it one trip or you stayed on the road? I, I, it was, people would rotate in and out, you know, but it was always, like Dutch and I traveled a lot together. Sid loved to go to the gym, so that was a, a, a no-brainer. And then, you know, Sheik was a, a floater. He'd sometimes join us, sometimes you know, be with somebody else. Was uh, was Sid a, a medicine man? No. No, no Sid, I, I don't even think Sid drank. Right, and I know you didn't do it. It's an odd car for cars to end up in, really. Especially when, like, 
20 seconds into the ride, I can smell some smoke and weed behind me. Right. And we stopped, we're going to Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We stopped at the World Gym. On the way to the gym, she, oh, the big man, stop, get the Heineken. He has like four Heinekens, joins us in the gym a little bit later, does like 135, like 135, just dropping it off his chest. Like, he's got the clubs going, he's got the fucking stocking hat on. I mean, it's just like, you're looking at, just, I'm looking at Sid over there, and he, you know, Big old jacked up fucker, and he's sitting over there, and you got crazy ass Dutch reading the USA Today in the front, the pro shop. He ain't working out, right? He's not. Even <laughs> he's not. You're just looking at it going, and you look at it and you say to yourself, Th- "These are pro wrestlers. The these, are, in town. these aren't sports entertainment guys. Yeah. This is a fucking. These are characters yeah. that you couldn't fucking create if you were doing a skit." And. Hmm. I would love to have been in that car. Me too. I would love to have been a fly in that car. Kevin Nash, Sid, Dutch Mantel, and the fucking Iron Sheet. Talk about your cast of characters, folks. Right there takes the cake. Oh, Sid, who the big jabroni? I'm not a jabroni, Sheik. Oh, of course you're not. So, what else do you want to talk about, Brian? Uh, my trip to Niagara Falls. Sure. Uh, your trip, your, your return to Central Pennsylvania. You know, I'm only coming down there because you have a pool, right? Um, sure. Not this, not this year, not this year on his birthday or anything like that. To be fair, it's about 90% pool. Huh? It's 90% pool. You're all crammed into about 0.5%. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. No, it was 9.5. Yes. Nice. Well, I'm glad to see the little guy, you know, make your list. Hey. You know? <laughs> he is probably your favorite nephew, so. Well, I never see the other one, so. I mean, it's quite easy. Hey, yeah, so you, you, you have met Ethan about once when he was a baby. It's been a while. Oh, God. I mean, I've seen Ethan more than once. For the love of Christ. Yes, for the love of Christ. I lived in Pennsylvania for years, Brian. That's true. This is true. Yes. Yes. So that's part of the reason why next week is a mystery show. Because, you know, who knows when we'll have time to actually sit down and watch. And by the way, we're not sitting down and watching it four hours before the start of the damn podcast. Just letting you know that right now. Okay. I understand that. We, we will have time to, to watch it. So yeah. be me working and sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And in between my pool time. Yes, because, you know, you're at lots of pool time. And I do have SPS 50 for your white ass. So, well, yeah. What about my white stomach and my white arms and my white uh, legs and the rest of my white body? Why is it only my... Why are you concerned about my white ass? Come on, Brian. Why do you want to know about my white ass? Uh, well, I have a funny feeling this next week's going to be like a shit show, so it's all good. Great. So, but the promise is that our 76th episode is going to be shit. 
At least their seventy fifth episode was fun, right? Yes. Uh, what, what, what do people celebrate on their seventy fifth anniversary? I forgot. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. It, then it's not our seventy fifth anniversary. It's our first anniversary. It's our first anniversary plus about two months. So. No, it's really not. So, True. as we start to wrap things up, Brian, you have anything else to say to the people out in the world? Ah, good health and good night. Wow. You weren't even trying on that one. Good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.